Welcome to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. At Village, we seek to be shaped by the life of Christ, to practice authentic friendship, and serve the world. You're invited to join us at either our Mission Campus or our Antioch Campus. For now, we hope you hear a word for your own life in this sermon. morning come from the book of Luke and if you would like to follow along in your pew Bible it will be pages 931 and 932 before we read let us ask for the Holy Spirit to illumine this word for us let us pray God you gave us your word so that we might remember your covenant with us your people We ask you this day to illumine your word, both read and proclaimed, so that we might remember again the promises that you have for us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Then there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was terrified, and fear overwhelmed him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you will name him John. Zechariah said to the angel, How will I know that this is so? For I am an old man, and my wife is getting on in years. The angel replied, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. But now, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time, you will become mute unable to speak until the day these things occur. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondered at his delay in the sanctuary. When he did not come out, he could not speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the sanctuary. He kept motioning to them, and yet he remained unable to speak. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Amen. Our reading continues. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown his great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him Zechariah after his father. But his mother said, No, he is to be called John. They said to her, None of your relatives have this name. And then they began motioning to his father to find out what name he wanted to give him. 
He asked for a writing tablet and wrote, His name is John. All of them were amazed, and immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue freed, and he began to speak, praising God. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, it is that very special time of year in my life when I celebrate my time-honored tradition of getting obsessed with lists. This is the time of year when my wife rolls her eyes as I start looking up all the best albums of the past year, the, the best books in various genres, the best TV shows, the best movies. And you know, now because of the internet, I, I could do this for a while. There's best tweets, there's best recipes, there's best memes, there's the best phones that are being made, there's best Instagrams, there's so many great lists, everybody. And because I love those lists at this time of year, I, I put together a few lists of my own as well, for which I get no shortage of teasing. I keep tracks of the books that I have read in a given year, and I set about tallying the number of pages. And if you're wondering, yes, I do color code by genre. I look over my Garmin app, which will tell me how many miles I've run this year, how many miles I've biked this year. And then there's my wife and I sitting down to come up with the list for the Christmas cards, which aren't really Christmas cards because we can never get it together. They're really New Year's cards. Yesterday, I don't know why, I even started some lists for my taxes. We are at the end of a decade too, my friends. We are at the end of a decade that offers even more lists for my obsession. They are interesting to me at the end of a decade because it is fascinating to look at best of lists from say like 2011 and 2012 and realize how things don't age very well here in 2019. In fact, I just read a post by a, a guy, he, he picks his favorite movie every year, so he went back to look and see if he would disagree with his past self and not surprisingly, he had revisions almost every year. In general, when we look over the year that has gone by or, or the past 10, in certain ways it affords us some perspective by which we can assess the present, or at the very least, assess our present selves. And I'm not sure to what degree Zechariah ever reflected on his life at the end of a given year, but, but I can say with confidence that if he were to do so, the year in which we find him in today's reading would surely be on his best of list. Zechariah was an old man, receiving an honor that some temple priests go their whole lives having never received. He has chosen to enter into the inner sanctuary, the inner room, the holy of holies. And while he had certainly never done so before, I, I don't imagine it was common when you entered into that space to encounter an angel of the Lord. I, I just imagine if it was common, you know, when the priests gathered around the water cooler to talking about their things, what did the angel say to you your year? What did he say to you your year? Never happened. And thus, this encounter, this encounter by Zechariah, it was a particular honor inside of a particular honor. And what's more, that angel has come to deliver news 
of yet another surprising event for Zechariah, that he will become a parent. His wife will bear a son. And that son, said the angel, that son will be called John. In a list of surprises, of being chosen, being visited by an angel, getting news of a child on the way, the announcement of the name would have been yet another surprise. In the tradition of the time, Zechariah's son's name would in all likelihood have been Zechariah. The implication in doing so is that this son will follow in the footsteps of his father. He will carry on the name of his father, the work of his father. By all measures, his son should have carried on not just that work of Zechariah, but the meaning, the very meaning of Zechariah's name, which in Hebrew would translate as the Lord remembers. When we read in the Old Testament that the Lord remembers, it often means God takes particular note of someone, cares for someone, provides for someone, saves someone. And so we read God remembers Noah and the, and the floodwaters subside. God remembers Abraham and saves his, his relative Lot. God remembers Rachel. She bears a son. Help me, cries the psalmist. Remember me, cries the psalmist, and help me when you come to save your people. The idea that the Lord remembers does come with comfort. For in the history of Israel, the prophets note over and over again, God is angry and God remembers God's love for Israel. God, God is impatient and God remembers God's promises and is faithful to them. For God to remember signals that God does not forget us. God does not forget God's love. God does not forget God's promises. So when Zechariah is told that his prayers have been answered, it's because God remembers and he and Elizabeth will have a son. It's a fulfillment of Zechariah's name. God remembers. But to us, reading it too, it's a reminder. It's just another affirmation of who God is and of what God does. God is a God who remembers. Remembering is important. It, it, remembering is not just about memories. Remembering is not just a thought exercise. To remember, to take time to reflect and to note that which is significant in our lives, it is an important process. And this time of year provides an annual exercise to exercise it and one that I enjoy. There are researchers who have studied identity. And these researchers, they point out that there is a false construct in our culture that we need things in order to establish identity. But both their research, and I would argue our own experience, reminds us life is about more than just collecting things. What we need, their research shows, is a story. We really only have an identity if we have a story. 
Those same researchers note identity, it, it is constructed from the episodes and experiences that happen in our lives. And of course, we have experiences all the time. Each day is that, right now is that, but, but not all of them contribute significantly. For something to move into being an event in our lives, we have to pause and have strong evaluation about that event. We have to evaluate that that, that thing that happened, that thing matters. And that's a long technical way of, of just saying we have to actively ascribe significance to something that happens. But that's not the end. Where it gets surprising is that the research shows we have to take one more step. That after we ascribe significance to something, we have to narrate it. We have to tell the story in order for it to be an event. It's not enough to know that something happened. What cements it as part of us is when we go about telling others about it. One of the things that we believe about God is that God is the one who remembers. God tells a story, and in doing so, God identifies with us, with you. In that way, God is is constantly identifying with everything that happens. In some ways, we, we believe God cannot help but to identify with us. And that is, that's a comfort, but it's also, frankly, it's not enough. It's not the end of the story, for the child's name is not to be Zechariah. To those gathered together on the occasion of this religious ceremony on the eighth day, it, any other name, any other suggestion would have been offensive. So when Elizabeth states that the name of the child is to be John, an argument breaks out. Now it starts to feel like Christmas, right? That those gathered together, likely the friends and the family, possibly neighbors, the community, they, and they're arguing, they and their disagreement, well, they go to Zechariah. Surely, they thought, surely he will vote with us. Surely he will vote with tradition. He will vote for his name to go on. And instead, Zechariah, who hasn't been able to speak for the entirety of the pregnancy, he writes down, his name is John. And in that moment, he can speak again. In Hebrew, the name John means Yahweh is gracious. So this this story is about an angel delivering a name that will both break and add to the tradition. Instead of a son whose name echoes once again that God remembers, the word from the angel, the word from God's messenger is that yes, yes, God remembers and, and God is gracious. I I think one of our fears about God We hear it whenever people encounter an angel. We hear it with Zechariah. He encounters an angel. He was terrified. I think one of our fears about God is that God will deal harshly with us. We we fear this because we know who we are. We we know where we fall short. And and the general feeling for some of us, for some, we get that God might forgive others, but 
God might not forgive us. Other people, maybe, but maybe not me. God, God cannot help, cannot help but identify with you. God cannot help but to be concerned for you. God cannot help but to remember you. And in remembering, God is gracious with you. When, when we go about remembering our own lives, when, when we look back to reflect on the events that have formed us in these, these past months, these past years, when we face the things that have been significant, when we choose to tell and to narrate those events, I think we are called to do that with grace. We are called to remember and we are called to be gracious as we remember. We are called to be gracious with, with ourselves, particularly when we have betrayed ourselves, when we have inflicted pain on ourselves by what we have done. We are called to be gracious with others, particularly, particularly those who have perpetrated anger or pain to us or with us. Friends, that is where grace looks, grace looks really good on paper, but it can be offensive in real life. The scandal of grace is that it is, it is given not out of a forgetting. It is given not out of ignorance. It, it, is, it is not given when we let go of justice. Grace is given in full remembrance because Frankly, remembering can feel like the easy part. It can be all too easy to remember and thus to hang on to feelings of anger or pain or even self-righteousness. And I do want to be clear, I don't think that remembering with grace means that we brush aside or that we let go of justice. It does not mean that we diminish the importance of significant things that have happened to us. But the idea that, that we are to partner with grace in our remembering, to partner with grace in our retelling, to suggest that grace must be part of the fabric of our identity, that can be threatening to us. Because there are parts of our identity, sections of our story, where grace just feels offensive. So I am I'm not surprised when Zechariah, when he's told that his son's name is to be John, essentially he is told that the sentence that begins with God remembers begets the rest, which is that God is gracious. I get that he, he doesn't really believe it. And so I'm not surprised either then that, that Zechariah is basically made to do a lot of listening for nine months. It takes him that long to, to get to a place where he understands it. it makes it okay if it, it takes a while. But I, I do believe, I believe it was in fact his decision. It was his decision when that community came and said, what's the name of your son that God did not force, force his hand in that moment? 
which is why it was a shock to all those gathered. I wonder if it was a shock to Zechariah that he responded that God is, in fact, gracious. We are to hang on deeply to those stories that make up who we are. And as we allow those stories to work in our lives, I think we must also work. And work is exactly what it can feel like at times. We must work toward applying grace to those stories. So when we look back, it's maybe the past year, maybe the past decade, maybe the, the past life. We are to keep ourselves accountable to remembering. But we are also called to keep ourselves accountable to grace. We are to keep others accountable to their own stories and do so with grace. For justice and joy, they require remembering, but it is grace that prevents perverting justice into bitter vengefulness. It is grace that prevents joy from becoming selfish arrogance. And in this way, justice and forgiveness, they are not opposites, but partners. Joy and grief, not opposites, but partners. And so, at the end of the service today, we'll, we're going to take communion together. It's a tradition here at Village that we participate in communion in our last worship service of the year, our, our last act of communal worship. It's part of our identity. Communion is when we remember, where we identify ourselves as God's children, as chosen and as loved and as forgiven and included. In our participation and our remembering, we cannot help but note the grace that is present in this meal. This meal where bread was broken before his body was broken with both friends and with the one who would betray. Where God in the flesh, the one who came to bring life and bring it abundantly, and in knowing this, knowing that he would be killed. So whatever stories you, you lay claim to this year, Whatever stories you identify as your own and keep yourself accountable to, whatever stories you tell, do it with grace. When you tell them, think of Zechariah and of John. Think that God remembers and God is gracious. Know that when God calls you by name, he chooses you, invites you, you to sit at God's table with God and with each other. Remember, remember and tell the story, not just of your own lives, but maybe begin by telling the story of this table. If you can do that, it's a good way to end the year. It's a good way to begin the next. Will you pray with me? God, we find ourselves in your story. We give you thanks that you have folded us into it and that when you do so, you do so as a God who remembers. You remember each of us. And in remembering, God, the last part of that sentence is that you remember with grace. God, help us to do the same. 
We pray these things in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. Learn more about us at villagepres.org. And we invite you to join us again next week.